my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am super excited to be here today with my guest, Jill Wild. How are you, Jill? I'm great, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Um, Jill, I told Jill earlier, she's like an experienced podcaster. She's had her own pod, she has her own podcast. And um, and so uh I, I told her she's probably gonna be the most experienced person that I that I talk to. So hopefully we'll have an advanced conversation here, Jill. But uh <laughs> I can't super- guarantee that. I can't guarantee that at all. <laughs> I know. Why did I just put the pressure on myself too? I know, right? Well, uh, so so Jill is currently has th- the most fabulous title. I just love this. She is the chief magic maker at Wild Big Sur, and we're gonna we're gonna get to hear all about that because I was just telling her when she when she popped into the Zoom, I'm, I said, "How come you're interrupting me checking out Wild Big Sur? It's like so <laughs> amazing. It looks like such a gorgeous place." But uh, so we're gonna talk about the magic she's creating uh, there in Big Sur. Um, but we've got to kind of go back in time first, right? Jill is a 1997 graduate of our program, has had an illustrious career. So we're going to talk about some of the amazing things she's done. Um, but but first, Jill, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you, where are you from originally? Sure. Um, I'm originally from Fremont, California. Right. And, Fremont. Yeah. And what I like Fremont. to say, yeah. Fremont, California, between San Jose and Oakland. Woo! Oh, I thought it was Bay Area. I thought that was yeah. a Bay Area place. Yeah, All East right. Bay, East Bay. East Bay, right on. So um, what did what did your parents do when you were growing up? So my dad was a fireman. He was a oh, firefighter and was an engineer. So he drove the engine oh, and my and took care of it and all of that. And he was very meticulous with his vehicles. I bet. Um, always has been. Uh, and my mom was a bookkeeper. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. definitely blue collar workers, hard workers, my parents were for sure. Right on. Um, and very, I would say very frugal. And um, and at the same time, very um, purposeful with their money. I and very... It. They were dreamers and 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 did their dreams. They they lived their dreams and they're living it now. <laughs> right. On. I, yeah. I just love that. You know, I come from a blue collar background as well. I grew up on a farm in, in North Carolina, tobacco farm. You know, we we met for the first time at last year's auction. And uh, I told that little story about that. So, you know that about my background. Yeah. So uh, that's super cool. What about uh, brothers and sisters? Any brothers and sisters? I have one brother. Yeah. And he lives in Paso currently. Oh, right on. Yeah. And we're pretty close. We play music together. Um, I play guitar and he plays harmonica and we're practicing and yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. We're pretty right close. On. Right on. Well, I'm a Bob Dylan fan. So I love the harmonica. So, you know, <laughs> oh, I know that bluesiness. I just love yes. it. I love it. Yes, indeed. For sure. So tell us what it was like growing up there in Fremont. Like what was, what was young Jill into? What was your, what was your jam? Mm. Oh God. What was my jam? A lot of things. I would say when I was younger, um, my parents, I said, I, I, I kind of touched on this, that they had a dream and huh? what they ended up doing was they bought property in Arnold, California, oh. and that's where they live now. Oh, cool. Um, but when they bought that property, that was where we spent our weekends. That's where we spent our summers. My dad built a cabin with his own two hands with his brother. Oh, cool. Um, and so that opened my world up to the wilderness. It yeah. opened my world up to the outdoors and being outside and swimming and being in the sunshine and in the trees and climbing all the trees. And, and, um, yeah, so that opened my world up to my love for the outdoors. I love it. So tell us for those unfamiliar, where's Ar- where's Arnold? Yeah, so Arnold is um in what they call gold country. Ah. It's north of Yosemite and south of Tahoe. Oh, cool. Okay, awesome. Yeah, gold yeah Highway 4. I love it. That's awesome. So And the home snow mountain, which is important. The is, home snow um, mountain. Yeah, is Bear Valley. So that's where everybody goes skiing. Oh, right on. Right yeah. on. Very cool. So you you grew up uh getting to to go and do some winter sports as well? Definitely. Yeah. Gave up my skis when I was 14 and moved to snowboarding and never looked back. Oh, really? I yeah. Well, we share yeah. that in common as well. I'm a I'm a knuckle dragger as well. You know, I was um I was uh one of those East Coast uh 
church ski group, right? Like you went once with the church group, um, you know, from North Carolina, like once a year, like learn how to snowplow. And then when I got old enough where I could go and like learn, I was like, I hate snowplowing. I can't stand skiing. So I'm like, I got to figure out what to do. So, you know, so I spent, I spent 60 days on a board in um, 1998 in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So that was a that was pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 60 days. That's a long time. It was. It was. I had um before those 60 days, I had um maybe six times on a ski, maybe, well, maybe 10 times on a ski. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was that was a pretty epic year for sure. But yeah, um yeah. So let's talk about like activities. Like what did you what did you get into? Were you were you into sports? Were you into arts, drama? You said you played a guitar. What what were you into? Yeah. So the outdoors. In, you said the outdoors, but what else? Yeah. In high school, I was a swimmer on the swim team. And so okay. I'm still a swimmer to this day. I love swimming. Right. And one of my goals, which I was supposed to do last year, didn't end up doing it, but I intend to do is the shark fest. Oh, um, where you swim that. from Alcatraz to the mainland. Oh, no. oh my San Francisco. Goodness. So that's it's one of my dreams. Fest? I'm putting it out there. I'm, that's one of my dreams to do. And it's called the Shark Fest. And it's called the Shark Fest. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just the name yeah. of it scares me. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to be a swimmer to appreciate that? Yeah. Uh, right. And, and you're wearing a wetsuit. It, it's all yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's not but, really um, many sharks. There are, there's, it's the ocean. There are sharks. Okay. <laughs> like, That's what I was like, people are like, are there really sharks? I'm like, yeah, it's called the ocean. It's right? called the shark fest. I don't get to determine where the sharks are. <laughs> I thought Alcatraz, I didn't realize Alcatraz was in the ocean. So I'm like. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I guess it is. I guess it is. I, I don't know my California geography as well as I should. Yeah. I'm going so, to catch a hard time for that statement there. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're from out of town. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. That's I'm from out of town. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about that pathway to Cal Poly, right? So obviously you said you were into the outdoors and, and I know that w- once you got here to Cal Poly, you, you focused a little bit more on environmental education and that sort of thing. But yeah. what led you, what led you to Cal Poly? You know, everyone kind of has a story, like what, yeah. what was their story? Mine was real simple. Um, I was going to um, Cal State Hayward, which is now, uh, what is it? East Bay. Cal State Uh, East Bay, I think, right? Yeah, Cal State East Bay. Yeah. And um, I was there as a speech communication major and then transferred to Cal Poly after visiting my dear friend, Sandra Soares, who is now Sandra Pimentel. And I went to visit her at college um, and just fell in love with the place, the campus, the bars, of course, the whole scene, the whole scene. Yeah. Um, and really just, yeah, fell in love with the place, realized there was hiking all around it. Yeah. And um, growing up in Fremont, there wasn't much hiking. We used to go to Coyote Hills. That was like our local little place that was really nearby my house. Uh-huh. There wasn't much hiking there. Um, right. I loved the outdoors. And I just felt like after visiting there, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I, this is, I, I could tell that's where I belonged. I belonged in a more green space. Yeah. And I knew that my heart felt happier in a green space. Right. Yeah. It is a, it is a pretty special place. You know, I was, I was, um, I, I was out, um, I, I'm a golfer now and I was out on the, um, on the golf course the other day and there was this like just brilliant rainbow. And I just, we, we all just kind of just stopped. And we're just like, and it was raining on us and yet there were no clouds, like one of those moments, you know, and then um, I I look up and you can just see, you know, you you see a mountain and then you see the ocean and then you see a rainbow. And I was just like, and you know, of course, from being up in Big Sur, those moments are like omnipresent. But I mean, we, we are so, so lucky on the Central Coast to be in such a beautiful beautiful place it's so amazing so so t- take us back to the to the 1990s you know i'm a 1990s i'm, I'm way earlier than you um as, as a grad but um, um but talk talk to us about what it was like and like do you have like a special memory that really stands out uh you know whether it be a ball a, a bar moment or a a sunset moment or, or any moment that really stands out yeah um you know what? I'm going to talk I'm going to talk a little bit about a moment that stands out, which is really kind of a hard one. Okay. And that is um because there is so much beauty in in San Luis Obispo, there really yeah. is. Yeah. 
And it's really like such an incredible place. But I feel like everybody knows that. Yeah. Everybody knows that part. So the story I'm going to share is one that was a little bit harder Mm -hmm. um, that was brought to the surface recently. And that is, I was at Cal Poly when Kristen Smart was, um, when that happened. Um, I thought that's what you were going to say when you said that, because I started thinking years and I was like, oh no, that had to be so hard. Talk to us about what it was like. Yeah. So I remember coming back to Cal Poly, um, after it was Memorial Day weekend, I remember coming back and then I feel like there was like a little, just a hubbub, like on the campus that did you hear about the girl that's gone missing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, then it was just like, do you know her? Does anybody know, you know, there was word on the street mm-hmm. and it was such a heaviness. And at that time at, at Cal Poly, there were handprints painted on the ground. I don't know if they were there when you were there. Hmm. Um, it was an idea. I don't even know who who put, pulled that together, but mm-hmm. anywhere there was a violent crime on campus, mm-hmm. they painted a handprint on the ground. So it was oh. the outline of a hand. Right. And that handprint was showing us where to not be when it was dark. Oh, wow. And knowing that that was something that was approved i'm glad that they had that we were paying a lot of attention to those handprints after that moment right right. um and they're not there anymore yeah you know i remember when i got here in 2006 jill now that you say that i do remember that um they were still there in 2006 i remember that for sure and um God, you know, um, for for those for those listeners who have not done it, um, uh, go go to the podcast and 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 catch yeah, up on the story. Yeah, it's just really it's just such a powerful um, and heartbreaking story, and and one that you know at, at least is starting to come around. I guess I will ask you this: like, have you have you felt like you know as a student who had that heaviness during that time? Have you felt some? some form of closure or some form of relief or or justice or what 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 yes. not from um from what has transpired yes and it, it's interesting because the number of times i thought about that the smart family yeah and also thought about the flores family and about the tr- the tragedy of all of it yeah and um, is so many times and i'm so grateful grateful that chris lambert decided to not just think about it but to act on it yeah he listened to that part of his heart yeah listened to that inner voice and that inner guidance yeah um to help solve something that needed to be solved i'm so so grateful and that he stuck to it yeah and i'm grateful for the family to get a little bit of closure yeah. My my closure is nothing. I, that yeah. the family can get yeah. a little bit of closure and I'm sure it's Yeah. It's it's small closure but it's worth it. Yeah. 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 I, I I um I cannot uh echo what you just said enough. Um Chris Lambert really just a what a what an amazing what an amazing job and a testament to to the fact that we can make a difference, right? And um and uh you know as much as we um as much much as we sometimes lament um technology and and um and some of the 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 things that we lose through technology wow what a powerful tool that um that he utilized um to to you know help um bring attention to a case that you know had gone cold and that that people were not, there was not really anything any movement on and um so um, thank you so much for sharing that. I know that is absolutely, um, of course, not what we traditionally hear on this podcast. And um, so I really, really appreciate you giving that shout and um, and um, and us talking about that. Let's talk about um, professional development. You know, Cal Poly cares a lot about learn by doing. And I would imagine that was um, uh, going strong in the in the late 1990s as well. Is there a moment? that stands out from your college career, Jill, where you look back and you go, oh, wow, that really helped um, to form the, helped me to form the professional that I became or that you became? Absolutely. Um, So when I first came to Cal Poly, I I was in um, speech communication. That's what I transferred in as. 
Right. And then I looked for an elective and the elective that I chose was recreation administration. Uh-huh. And the class that I took was taught by Bill Hendricks. Right on. And Bill Hendricks, he was a new teacher. I was going to say he was pretty new at that time, right? His first year. Okay. Okay. I think it was his first class. Oh, wow. I I remember you said that at the auction. Yeah. Because that would have been like 1994, right? Exactly. Yeah. He started in 94. Yeah. And that class that I took was amazing. And that class that I took um, resulted in me changing my major to recreation administration, which I'm so glad now it's experienced industry management. It's way, it's, that's, it's more true to what it is. Right, right, right. Um, And also the other thing that I did was I took the Chumash challenge, the ropes course and did that course. And when I did that, that completely opened me up to understanding myself more, uh-huh. understanding team dynamics more, understanding I had a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, and I was just fully fascinated and interested in that field, um, which resulted in me um, with Bill Hendricks's encouragement, getting a job with Rod Newbert at ASI um, and working for Chumash Challenge with my dear friend Joy Blanding, right? On. Who is now Joy Thompson? Shout out, um, Joy. and yeah, and we worked for Rod for a number of years at ASI and um, with a bunch of other amazing facilitators out there. Yeah, um, on the challenge course, and I worked for other challenge courses outside of that, but it really sealed my my love of self growth mm-hmm. and and personal growth being. Um, the vehicle that keeps my spirit going. Right on. I love that. And um, and for our listeners um, who don't know what Jill is talking about, a, a oh, lot, right. a lot do because um, we uh, our legacy of two, with Two Mass Challenge was is is a, is a great one. But for our current students who listen, um, Two Mass Challenge was a uh, well. Actually, you tell it. You you okay. tell it what Two Mass Challenge was. Yeah. So Two Mass Challenge was. Um, physically a a ropes course which means there were a bunch of telephone poles put into the ground with a bunch of cables hanging from them um and um people on belay um and with ropes and harnesses on and so there was the high ropes course that's what i'm speaking of which is personal power empowerment kind where we had um activities like leap of faith where you're you climb the, to the top of a telephone pole and then jump off of it into the abyss of the sky yep. <laughs> <laughs> the ground yeah um and all on belay and all safely done um but it, that was the personal empowerment course and then there was um the Chimas challenge team building part of it yep. um which was the low ropes course which was a bunch of activities on the ground um trust falls and things like that where you're learning um how to communicate how to process, how to facilitate each other, mm-hmm. how to listen. Yeah, yeah, a lot of amazing skills. And and that was all a dream of Rod Newbert. And yeah, what a visionary. Right on, right on. And yeah, we we unfortunately lost the two match challenge uh, ropes course, I guess. And uh, oh, yeah, what year was that? 2013, 14, something like that. Um, but yeah, what a legacy out there. And, and Dr. Goldenberg, who is... Um, our current outdoor recreation uh, professor, she was here. She she started in, I think, uh, 2003 or so. And she, for, you know, the first 10 years or so that I was here, like she took, uh, she, of course, led led students out there and whatnot. But um, so really great to hear you talk about that. So let's talk now about like moving out into the into the working world and what that was like, you know, um, I, I don't even know, quite honestly, Jill, was that was the internship required in 1997? Did you have to it have sure an internship? Was. I, thought, oh, yeah. I, I, I thought it was a really, uh, you know, I, I've, I've done, I have done some, um, some studying of, of our history of the program. So I thought it was, but uh, yeah, so tell yeah. us what your, what your internship was, how you got it and that whole story. Yeah. A thousand hours of volunteer work. Yep. Still and then. Do you still have that? Great. Yep. I'm like, yes, yes. yes. Well, and it doesn't have to be volunteer, also or yeah, paid. Paid or volunteered. Yeah. Yeah. Paid, paid or volunteer. Yeah. So I did that. I did that work, and and that that was the best thing, really. Honestly, so good. But my internship was incredible, and that 
is amazing. Um, I have a great story about this. Rod, Rod, uh, Rod, no, Mark Roland was my, um, my manager, um, my boss, and he had a um, center in Big Bear Lake um, called, well, he had, his business was Peak Performance and they operated out of um, Cedar Lake Education Center. And that business was basically challenge course. Oh, wow. And I went to Big Bear Lake and was there for four months and worked for Mark and Marsha Rowland. Oh, that's awesome. Who are now still dear friends of mine. Oh, cool. And I've gone on vacation with them and I'm I'm hopefully going to have them out to Big Sur this summer. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But working for Mark and Marsha and John was just an incredible experience. I also made one of my dearest friends in the world, Sarah Hansen, there, and she and I are dear, dear friends. Um, But that experience was, um, it it was a completely different course, Mm -hmm. very similar activities, much larger groups. I was going to say much larger groups, right? Yeah. Much larger groups. And, um, but it was just building on what I already had learned from Rod Mm-hmm. And also learning, Mark had a beautiful way of understanding how to make the economics work mm-hmm. by not really having to own any of it. Oh, wow. And and that was a lesson in um, operating out of other people's locations. Yeah, right. Um, and so, um, yeah, so many lessons there. I mean, I what my senior project was, um, was an... Uh, performance, uh, importance, performance analysis of the teachers in our, in our major at Cal Poly. Oh, cool. And so how important are these things that they're teaching and what is their performance of these things that they're teaching? Oh, cool. And that analysis, it was interesting because I was getting feedback from the students. So that was a really interesting experience that I had while I was writing that paper while I was having this experience at Big Bear Lake with the gorgeous views amazing amazing groups i had had people from taiwan coming we had these beautiful students that were learning and growing and learning about themselves and also learning english at the same time Hmm. um so yeah really incredible opportunities and experiences and then large you know huge companies of of um professionals that would come out and and yeah do their team building it was really incredible yeah, I bet. And um the proximity to 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 the LA area, um, I imagine um made it so that there you you could get the influx of of lots of different cultures and lots of different companies, I bet. Um I've been to Big Bear Lake once and just just loved it. It's, what a beautiful place. So um really sure cool. So let's talk about that um that journey um out of uh you know uh, um uh out of your internship, we always like to, to to consider the internship as a as a springboard, if you will, right into your professional career. So tell us, um, tell us what that early career was like. You know, I remember, uh, I remember those years for me. They were a little rough. You know, I I did all kinds of things, but uh, but but uh, what about for you? What were what were they like for you those early years? Yeah, so it was a lot of learning. Um, I had some great managers. The first job that I got, I was still in San Luis Obispo and wasn't intending to leave for a couple of years. So I ended up working for the city of San Luis Obispo. Oh, right on. And worked under James Bremer, who was a great boss, taught me a lot about interpersonal communication. And he always had a jar, a jar of candy. Oh, yeah. On his desk. Yeah. And I was like, what's the what's the jar of candy about? And he's like, people come and hang out. They ah, talk to you. Yeah. They share. Yeah. And I I never really thought about um about the conversations outside of the work mm-hmm. being an important part of communication. Yep. And he was teaching me that. So James was an, an amazing mentor for me. Um while I was there, Paul Sage was there. Um he was the director. Um, I still owe him money. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. He, he, Sage I, is I still gonna, he will cash. He might, he's going to listen to this. Jill. Yeah. Cash in on that. I see him. Yeah. I see yeah. Paul from time to time. <laughs> yeah. He bet me that, that if I, um, I, I said, I, I thought I was going to stick around and he said, I bet you'll be married in two years. 
Oh, I was did? Married in two years. Oh. Yeah. 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 After, yeah. So, so funny. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, um, I had an amazing time working for that organization with Rich Ogden and Betsy Dejarnet and yeah, lots of great people. Um, I was going to start throwing out names, but Kim then Walker, oh, were Kim those Walker. people still around? I know Rich Ogden very well. Yeah. Yeah. And Kim Walker, all of those people were really yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then came into my life in different ways throughout the years, um, which was incredible. Yeah. But um, yeah, had an amazing time learning from all of them. With I was running the um, the adult sports leagues for James. Oh no way! Yeah, that's okay. A, yeah, a coordinator. That's that. a tough. That's a tough job, Joe. <laughs> yeah, and I was an umpire. And you were an tough. umpire too. I was an umpire, softball, oh. men's softball umpire. We share. We share that too. Ooh. We've got all kinds of parallels. That's a tough Man. job. <laughs> I tell you what, I've never seen bigger crybabies than the men's softball. No man. kidding. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That was one of my first jobs was doing like supervision for that sort. And, um, I mean, I was like, a, you know, like you, I was fresh out of college and they will, those folks will abuse, uh, younger folks pretty quickly. You know what's great about it? I think that the lesson in that, because there's always a lesson in it, right? Yeah. 100%. Lesson in it, I think is when we have people who don't treat us like we want to be treated or don't treat us with the respect we feel we deserve, what we're learning in that moment is to appreciate the people that do. Yeah. And how many people do? There's so many amazing people who do yep. appreciate us. Definitely. Um, and and it just it makes you recognize that. Yep. And when you when you receive the uh, the opposite end of that spectrum, yeah, that's what it's for. Yep. And yeah, and you so learn you, com- you learn conflict resolution. You learn yeah. you learn how to respond. You can't respond in anger. You can't respond in emotion. You gotta yeah, be just receiving it. Yeah. Yep. How can I just listen and and address what it is their concerns are? Yep. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. For sure. Yeah. So many lessons there, I'm sure. Yeah. So let's talk about uh heading heading uh Heading on into your to your your mid career, tell us uh, tell us about what that was like and and what came next. So what came next was um, I worked for a travel agency down in Southern California in well it was in Cam- Camarillo mm-hmm. and I was living in Oxnard California mm-hmm. um, and really loved that job. I was doing the marketing side of it, right. and so in that I really learned how to communicate about travel. And write the brochures from scratch. You know, I wasn't um, the the brochures weren't made, and you just mail them. It's like I'm writing about Aruba, and I'm writing about all of these places that I wanted to travel. Right, Australia, you name it. Um, I loved that job, and then I also got to create all the marketing pieces. So I was putting all the art and the content and the pictures and the clip art and you know because back in the day we didn't have much <laughs> yeah, right yeah and then and then mailing to people and having events for people to come and learn about the 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 plans um the travel plans throughout throughout the year we had cruises and we had land tours and africa tours and you oh, name it wow. yeah and um, so i was learning a lot about communicating about destinations mm-hmm. and that was a joy Okay. I really, I really loved it. Larry Tattleman was my boss and he, he was the owner of the business. And it was really, that's when I felt really grateful to be working for the boss ah, okay. and having that hourly meeting with him, the the once a week meeting with him ah. where I was getting his direction, his mentorship, his guidance right, um, from the top felt felt really good. And I understood the value of it. The value of getting that one hour meeting with a mentor. Right. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about like what sparked the entrepreneurial spirit, right? You know, you, you, um, coming out of of that position is is when you kind of first started into, to the entrepreneurial, um, mode, if you will, that, that you obviously are in now and we'll eventually talk about, but, um, so you you started if if I'm not if I'm if I'm correct you started a, a company right uh, very I did. after that tell yeah, us yeah what's interesting it is when you you know necessity is the mother of invention they say right right <laughs> so right. 
Um, at that time, my husband and I decided to move back to San Luis Obispo County. Right. And that was in uh, 2003, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, because my daughter was born in 2004. So in 2003, we decided to move back to San Luis Obispo County. Well, there weren't many jobs happening yeah. in San Luis Obispo County at that time. Yeah, I remember when I moved here in 2006, that was like the biggest thing that I couldn't figure out. I'm like, what are all these people doing? Because, <laughs> you know. And what you learn pretty quick is everybody was in business for themselves. Yeah, right. Lots of consultants, right? Yep. And I had been helping a business in Camarillo outside of the job um, for the for the travel agency. And sh- when I told her that I was moving, she said, why don't you just keep doing this? And I was like, interesting. And so then I actually, I asked my boss at Carlson Travel whether I could just keep doing the marketing for for him. So I created a remote position basically for myself. Nice. Before we even knew what remote positions were. I didn't even know what that was, but we were using, we actually were using software that did that because we had two locations. Yeah. So we were using software to go from one location to the other and be able to, to communicate between those two computer systems. And, um, so I ended up, um, he was one of my clients. I had other clients all over in Paso and Templeton <clears throat> and Atascadero. Right. Um, and opened what I, what was called the whole enchilada. Yeah. And it was funny because people were like, how did you get into marketing? And I was like, well, if you, if you want to know what recreation administration really was, yep. depending on what route you went down, it's the marketing of programs and services. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Right. Because you have to be able to sell what it is the activities are, right? Yeah. So um, when I explained that um, to people, they got it. And when I could show them the list of things I had done for City of Pismo Beach, City of San Luis Obispo, for the travel agency, for the, there's just so many. I had a breadth of of content and brochures and all of the the, the oh. things to show them. Yeah. And the idea behind the whole enchilada was basically that I wanted people to have a one-stop shop because mm-hmm. I knew how I felt as the marketing manager of the travel agency that I had to go find somebody for print and somebody for web and somebody to do emails and some all of these different people. Mm-hmm. And instead having one person that can get your logo done, can mm-hmm. get your your marketing plan done. Yep. Can go get the copies made for the flyer that you all of the things. Yep. And so that was the idea behind the whole enchilada. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you know, you're um you're you're helping me in my classroom too, Jill, because you know, I um my my area is sport management, you know, and I, I've I tell the story with my students. I, I say, you know, I had a student once who said, You expect us to be graphic designers and we're not graphic designers. And I said, I said, no, I don't expect you to be a graphic designer. The world expects you to be a graphic designer and you're absolutely. And and so, um, you know, you have to build those skills. You can't just say, no, I'm a sport management major or no, I'm in, I'm in uh, experience design. Like you have to build your skills to be able to do all of those things because the aesthetic beauty of creating something is something that we all have to do, right? We're all a part of that, um, a, a part of that that system. And so, um, yeah, sure, you might be able to hire a graphic designer, but you might not. You might be in a small recreation or a small travel agency where you're the one doing that. And, uh, you know, so yeah. And if you own the business at the beginning, it's likely <laughs> that you are, or maybe maybe you get creative and you trade for it. Right there, you right? go. Yep. People people are getting more and more creative these days. So I, I think that. that you don't necessarily need all the skills. You need to know the right people that have the skills. Definitely. And be willing to work whatever deal makes sense, right? And equal exchange. That's that's my Definitely. my term of the of the year. Equal exchange I, only. Equal exchange only. That's how I got my snowboard waxed. Because ah. I, I gave uh, I gave uh, free na- macho nachos uh, from at the at the bistro where I worked um, <laughs> for for snowboard waxing. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's, That's one of the, the great things about resort communities, right? Is that everybody kind of there, there was there. The, I, I, that's one of the things I loved about Jackson Hall was that 
there was that active like exchange economy that was um even though i probably technically should not have been giving out free macho nachos since it wasn't my company but you know what i mean but uh anyway so let's talk lessons about learned lessons, lessons learned, learned. Lessons learned. Yeah, exactly <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about um, let's talk about ap- after whole enchilada. Oh, I can't even talk <laughs> enchilada. Um, so that was your mind, your mind body year. So tell us about mm-hmm. how mind body came into being, and um, and uh, and we'll, we'll take it from there. So I had been after after I had my daughter. I shut down my marketing business, one of the hardest decisions I had made, but I felt like I wasn't being a great mom mm-hmm. while I was trying to manage all my clients. It was too much. Yeah, it's hard. And then decided to be to to just um do daycare at my home, which lasted all of one month. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I was wrong. This is not for me. <laughs> um and yeah, it was an idea gone wrong. And realized I did I, I did want to get back into the work working world and decided to just look for a job, look for a job that I would be happy with. In the meantime, I started doing some retreats for like Kennedy Club Fitness uh-huh. and finally got my my foot in the door there to start doing some retreats. Uh-huh. And um, I wasn't getting a great response from people saying yes to the retreats. I had marketing up all over the place, but it wasn't, there wasn't a great response on it. Right. And I read the paper and there was an article about mind body and what they were doing. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to work for a company that's already doing what I want to do. Right. And I, what ultimately want to, what I wanted to do was build a retreat finder. Uh-huh. That was my, that I was like, I want to do retreats, but I want, I want to build retreats, but I want people to find retreats. I want to be able to find it. Got you. Right. Because when I was 20, I already knew when I was at Cal Poly that I wanted a retreat center. You and did. my friends all knew that. Yeah. I I, I was talking was about it. I was just like, it was my dream. One day I want a retreat center. One day, one day. Right. Especially after I went to Big Bear Lake. I was just like, this is it for me. I would, I want to do this. This is this feels like my, my life. This is what it's about. And you said that you learned so much during that time there. Right. And so coming around full circle here. So tell us, first of all, tell everybody, first of all, who doesn't know, right? Like what, what is mind body? What what did mind body at that time do? So mind body, um, at that time, and they're still doing a similar thing. um, They basically are software company, that is um, a point of sale. It's a CRM. It is it manages yoga studios, spas, salons, fitness studios, health clubs, etc. Right. And it does everything from checking people into their classes to um, payments. And people can find classes now. Consumers can find classes and go to a class. Go right. find a yoga class anywhere. Eventually, the whole enchilada, right? The whole enchilada. There you go. <laughs> and so, um, so when I started with them, um, I, I, I had an interview, and wasn't sure that I wanted the position. It was a sales position, um, and it was um, commission based. And I was like, "Hmm, this is interesting. I'm not sure if I want this." Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I can say yes now and say no later. There you go. And so I said yes and um, was interviewed by Bob Murphy, um, who was one of the um, um, one of the founders. And then, um, yeah, then later that day, he invited me to come back for a, they were having an open house. And later that day, I met the CEO, Rick Stolmeyer. Um. So started as a sales rep years later, Rick and I ended up getting married. So he and I fell in love, got married, um, and were married until, uh, until just a few months ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, mind body took off, right. Um, and and Um, really, really became like the leader in, and uh and like we said the whole enchilada with the whole with the with the industry right and yeah we it's funny the- 
we used to say, you know, the goal was to get 10,000 clients by 2010. Uh-huh. And I started with the company in 20 or in uh, 2007. Right. And I remember us looking at that number and going, oh my gosh, are we going to ever be able to get there? Right. When I started in 2007, we had, I think, less than 2,500 clients. Oh, wow. And now there's more than 50,000 clients. Oh, wow. Now there might be 80,000. I don't even know. I don't even know. Right. But um, yeah, but the the trajectory that happened was incredible. Yeah. Um, But I started in sales, then ended up, they did end up doing a, a yoga finder. And I had been thinking about that project for years, years even before I even knew Mind Body existed. Right. And when that position opened up. I applied for it and got that position. Right on. And yeah, was blessed to be able to manage the Mind Body Yoga, Mind Body Pilates, Mind Body Fitness apps. Um, and then um, so that meant I was doing both the the managing the team that was building the apps, or two that we had two different teams building the apps and then also managing a team that was in-house that was selling people on getting on the app and then managing a team that was selling other things that were upgrades to the to the yeah to the customers so a lot of different experiences in technology and in managing people yeah and you know what what good timing too because yoga and pilates like was just exploding at that time as well and um and so I imagine it was just an exciting time to 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 be to be doing that. And um, so let's talk about that transition um, in, into uh, in, into ultimately what you're doing now. And like you said, your dream, right? I don't want to I don't want to bury the lead too much because I, I want to get to I, I like I told you uh, I was I was looking at, at Wild Big Sur and um, and your your retreat that you have now and. Um, I, I actually talked to a, a friend of yours um, uh, recently earlier today, and they, they were like, you've got to ask her about the music and all about this and that, and, you know, and so so let's talk about, first of all, how that came to be, right? I mean, I don't want to like skip way, way ahead or anything like that. So feel free to to fill in any of the blanks in between. But um, but uh, let's talk about the 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 building of uh, of Wild Big Sur and, and what you're doing now. Okay, so uh, well, I have to step back one step, and that is that I I opened a spa called East Wellbeing in T in 2015. Right. All oh, right. 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 That I'm, was a stepping stone. Rick and I always envisioned that that was going to be a stepping stone to a retreat center, and we're going to see whether or not this model works out. Well, the model never did work out. It never actually made money. We did a lot of good for the community. There's people today that still come up to me and say how much they miss East Wellbeing and Tea. Right. Um, we were a spa and then um, a tea shop. Okay. And my staff there was amazing. And I learned a lot about managing people and managing a place. Right. And so I'm super grateful for that. And I became a massage therapist and did all of that okay. um, and got certified in that. So, so um, and there's a discipline in that and also the energy work opened up a whole new world for me in, okay. in terms of um, energetic healing. I was going to say, so be, yeah, that was a big point for me to get on my own spiritual path. Right. And then, um, and then uh, in, let me think about this in 2019, Rick and I bought a home in Big Sur. Um, and that was a blessing right before COVID hit. Mm. And then um, a year later, heard music at that location and had never heard music coming from anywhere before, and then realized it was coming from the property that is now Wild Big Sur. Oh, wow. And I feel as though the property sang to me. Uh Uh-huh. And we went to go see it that day. We invited the caretaker up, Joel DePola, who's still my caretaker. We invited him up to the house and invited him for dinner. And he shared with us that the property had been for sale for three years oh. and had not been purchased. Oh. And we didn't need another property. It right. wasn't something we needed to do, but we also felt like it was a property that was so pristine, it should be protected. Mm. 
And that's how we felt about it. When we saw it, we recognized the beauty of it, Mm -hmm. the purity of it. Mm -hmm. And that if it got in the wrong hands, especially because it's on the Creek, Mm. it could be a, a travesty. Yeah. And so the reason we got that property was to protect it. Love it. And uh, a couple months after, um, we had some friends up and my friend Melinda Kincaid, who I dearly love, and her partner, Vince Chimo, um, who are amazing. He's an amazing musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as are his brothers. Um, Melinda reached out to me and asked if she could have a retreat at our home the one that she had been to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I checked in with Rick. So we weren't really comfortable with that. And I said, "What? wait, but she could do it at the Creek property. And all of a sudden, Rick and I, our eyes met. And we, in that moment, realized we had purchased a retreat center. <laughs> I love it. And it hadn't dawned on us. It hadn't been something we had discussed right it hadn't been and there it was and it, and it was done right and um and then yeah so so i had my very first retreat in april of last year which was a land dedication i felt it was important to dedicate the land right. um and to honor the tribes that had been there before and uh-huh. um, and ask permission to be able to do the work that we're doing there, which is spiritual work and musical work. And music is work of the spirit. That's right. That's right. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I um I we we've never shared this, but I I I will share with you that I um live live music and and music has been like an integral part of of uh, of who I am and and what I love. And whenever I'm feeling like you know down or or anxious or whatever it is you know music has been that 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 soul healer and um and so i am so so in touch with what you're saying and um you know last week um it was a, it was a particularly tough week and um i i my my um vinyl setup has been in the garage um ever since i i bought it right and uh last week i was like what is it doing out there in the garage? And I just like all of a sudden started bringing everything in to the kitchen, which is my room. That's where I spend all my time, you know, because uh, my wife and kids are on the TV in the den and, uh, you know, they've got everybody has their own space. Right. And so I was like, I've got to bring music back into our home, you know, and so I set up my vinyl setup, and I've just been playing music and it just and it just and, you know, the thing about vinyl, you can press play and then when the when it ends it ends right but it's playing and um and it's just it's been so soothing to to my soul this last week and so um i can't imagine what it would be like um up in big sur to hear um to hear music at this just amazing place like i was telling the audience earlier like just uh looking at your website and seeing the beauty of of what wild big sur is all about Tell us what your I imagine over the last uh, year in particular you've you've got you've you've developed some grand visions um, of of what you see this uh, retreat turning into and um, so tell us some some uh, give us some uh, some plans and some vision here. Sure. So currently we're doing retreats, spiritual retreats, and then also people are renting the space to do their own retreats. So whether you have a yoga retreat or you have a following. Um, your psychologist and have a following of people who want to come and do some deep work. Um, or you have an ecstatic dance group that wants to come out and and dance their butts off on the on the yoga deck or in the meadow or something. Right. For any type of event like that. Additionally, it's such a quiet, beauty-inspired place. I bet. That any musician, there it's it's just deeply inspiring. Right. And so um, you t- you mentioned, you know, music being kind of your medicine. And I say that all the time. Music is definitely my medicine. Yeah. Rick and I have gone through a divorce this past year. It was really difficult. Um, and it's healing my heart. It's just really healing my heart. Mm. 
And I'm not playing for others, although I just posted myself playing for the first time yesterday. You did? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, on, on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday, I posted uh-huh. myself playing guitar and singing. And it's healing my heart. Um, you know, and I've got lots of lyrics coming through now, which is a beautiful, I've not ex- not expected, but I've got lots of songs I've written. I've written probably 20 songs. Oh, I love it. Um, and music. And so I'm I'm writing and singing and playing guitar. I love it. And I love it. And I'm a beginner. Uh-huh. And I'm playing for myself. Yeah. And I'm playing just to soothe my own soul. Yeah. And I think that in some ways we've forgotten that. We're not, we don't have to play for others. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for approval from others. Mm-hmm. We're not, I don't, I'm not looking to be um, on the cover of a magazine. Right. I'm not looking to be the headliner at a whatever. Right. I'm playing for the joy of playing. Yeah. To, and to- there's nothing, there's no better feeling than that. Yeah. Because in that, there's no striving. Right. It's just being right and being happy in the doing of it. Right. Um, so, so I invite anyone listening, if you have not um, tried to play a musical instrument or use your voice, I invite you to do one of those things that would make your heart sing mm-hmm. because it does it every time I do it. And even like you said, or just playing your albums, right? right? right. Playing those CDs that are in a stack in you know the, <laughs> right. back, the back corner of your closet or right. whatever. Right. Um, you know, play your music however you play it. Yeah. And if or dance or drum. I, I lead a drum circle too. Drumming has been so healing for me. Oh, and I, I every other Tuesday I have a drum circle. Everybody's invited. Everybody. Oh, Come on out. Come on I love out. It. I love it. You're 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 touching deep into this old old Grateful Deadhead's uh heart and heart and soul. Like uh the drum circle. My I remember my first drum circle was at a uh Grateful Dead show in 1991 at the campground, and I was just like mesmerized, you know. It's just like, oh my word, uh it's so amazing. Well, well, um y- you know, one thing that that when I was looking at, at Wild Big Sur, one of the things that hit me is that um you know, um, of course, the beauty and the serenity and the the power of Big Sur is is just amazing. Um, but you also have this location in being in between San Francisco and L.A., where a lot of musicians are traveling back and forth. And so, I imagine that there's uh, there's the potential for um, for that to be a a, a place a, a stop. Um, right. are, are you envisioning those sorts of, that sort of thing? Definitely. So. There is actually a page on the website that says, come here and record. Yeah. So, so you've got a studio? I don't have a studio. Oh, you, well, you've got a natural studio. <laughs> it's pretty quiet. I was going to say, what yeah. I would like, what I would like to do is build a studio. Ah, yeah. Right now, the number of people I know that have their own equipment mm-hmm. is a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and so my intention is that if you need something, we'll find a way to get it and nice. we'll haul it up the mountain for you. Nice. Um, and things kind of, especially right now, technology moves so fast, yeah. investing in something long-term. I don't know if that's in to our benefit, right? but for those musicians who want to be inspired and want to come up and want to, yeah. um, create some, some music not just their own music, but to bring in the creek sounds, to bring in the ocean sounds, to bring in the sounds of the forest into their music, we've got it. Yeah. That ambient sound, we've got it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, sounds, yeah, that sounds just amazing. And, um, I can't tell you how, um, how great it, it is to talk to you and how, um, how amazing it looks up at, at Wild Big Sur. And I mean, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's just, a, a amazing, um, 
full circle journey um, for you. And um, I just could not be happier for you and um, and hearing about the healing of your soul and hearing about you um you, you uh finding finding your dream and and uh and uh wow what a story like from big bear lake uh and uh and, and or from arnold to big bear lake to slow and and everywhere in between right um now up to big sir wow what an amazing thing thank you so much for your time um, the last thing if you if you will you know i've been asking um i've been asking my guests for this and um i, I hope you'll you'll oblige here is there is there something that you look back jill and think like wow i wish i could have told junior year jill or senior year jill i wish i could have given myself this piece of advice um i've heard you give like an amazing talk so uh uh along these lines so i know you you i know you have some wise words of wisdom for us so uh not to put pressure yeah. on you there but uh what, what would uh, you tell yourself yeah um th this is what i'm sharing with people more than anything these days mm -hmm. is well two things if you don't mind two yeah. can i give two absolutely you one can give, is you can give me 10. <laughs> <laughs> one is um that if you if you need to start somewhere at a company um and we typically start looking at the core values of the company to see whether it's in alignment mm -hmm. with what we believe in mm -hmm. um but if we haven't done the work of learning what our own personal core values are first then we don't know whether it's in alignment so my suggestion to myself would be figure that out mm -hmm. look i ha i have a list if anybody wants a list of core values they can reach out to me at wildbigsir.com or no wildbigsir at gmail.com and i will give them this list where they can circle all of these um words circle 10 words to find out what your own personal core values are and then then reduce it to five right because you need to know your own personal core values as a human mm -hmm. to know whether anything aligns with you whether it's the job whether it's the partner whether it's the work partner whether it's the when before you create your own core values for your company you need to know yours first yeah so Love that's it. number one that's number one Love and it. number two is pay attention to which voice you're listening to. Are you listening to your ego, mm. which is going to tell you often or out of balance ego that is, and this is from my teacher, Krista Ray Pacheco, mm -hmm. your out of balance ego is just going to tell you you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You haven't put in the time, the effort, the work. Mm -hmm. You're not diligent enough. All of the I'm not good enough yep. story. Yeah. Or the other side of the out about out of balance ego, which is I'm better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. No one else is measuring up. Why do I have to deal with these fools? Mm -hmm. All of that story, also not true. We're all equal. We're all working with what we've got. Mm -hmm. We're not our best all the time. So are we listening to that voice or are we listening to the voice of our soul? And that soul, it takes getting quiet. It takes stilling our voice, listening, and often being in nature and grounded. And if you don't know what being grounded is, the question I have for you is, when was the last time your feet your bare feet touched mother earth. Yeah. And that doesn't mean the concrete and that doesn't mean Carpet. the sidewalk and it doesn't mean the bricks outside of your house. And it doesn't mean this, the asphalt or the deck behind your house. When is the last time your feet touched mother earth? And if you haven't touched mother earth in a long time, it's time. This yeah. is your invitation. Now's the time. I love it. I love it. 
Well, we're going to end on that. Thank you so much, Jill. Really appreciate your time. Um, I can't thank you enough. Take care. Thank you so much. See ya. Bye.